In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, many of us are familiar with this famous story about the Samaritan woman. Um, and we see in her that she had an encounter with Christ, and that after she had this encounter, her whole life changed. Um, and, and the way that she saw herself, her place in society, the boldness that she had to go to speak about Christ to the other people that were in her town, that otherwise she would have been afraid to go and see because of the shame that she lived with. And when she met with Christ, we read, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. This encounter that she had with Christ is what really transformed her lives. And we see actually all throughout the scriptures in the New Testament and, you know, in our modern day, when we see when people encounter Christ, how is it that their lives change and what is it that happens to them? So I want to speak a little bit about several people that have had encounters with Christ from the New Testament and how is it that their lives changed and what did they realize about themselves that they didn't realize or know before they met with Christ and how everything changed after they met with him. So first, the example here of the Samaritan woman. This woman, when she came to the well to draw water, she thought that her only need was her physical thirst. You know, she was coming to draw water so she could drink. And this is a, a daily activity that people would do because obviously they didn't have running water in their homes. So they would go to the well and get water for themselves. Um, so she, on her way to this well, as she would have been doing every day, she was coming because she feels thirsty. She knows that she has to drink water. She comes to fetch water for herself. Um, but when she came there to the well, she found Christ. And Christ revealed to her that he was the fountain of living water, that he had a kind of water that she didn't realize that she needed. You know, sometimes we focus so much on the physical things the physical things that we need, and we don't think so much about the spiritual things, the spiritual things that we need. And a lot of times the spiritual things that we need are, um, you know, maybe we don't give them our priority, maybe we don't realize them, maybe we, you know, don't feel like they're as important or as urgent as the physical things, so we, we end up going after the physical things. So you can imagine kind of as a modern day analogy of what this woman is doing is, seeking her physical needs she's seeking her water her food she's seeking her um her work her career her financial security uh she's seeking relationships family all kinds of things that maybe in the world we feel like we need and we are seeking after and yet when she went to go and to obtain these things for herself she had this meeting with christ and he revealed to her for the first time maybe she didn't ever really think of it or realize it before that she had a need that was far greater than the needs that she perceived in herself. And not only did she have this need that was far greater, but that he was offering to fulfill the need. You know, he's, you know when, she, when he told her that I am the fountain of living waters, right? That, that whoever drinks from me will never thirst again. The woman became um, interested. She's like, well, tell me, how is it that I can have this water? Give me of this water that you are offering. Because this water that you're offering is better than the water that I'm seeking. There's something more than what you're offering. There was something beyond what I thought was possible or what I thought of at all that you are offering to give me. So we see that after this encounter with Christ, that she turned from being kind of a woman who felt like she was um, shameful 
and wanted to hide from the people and a sinful woman, she, she, she transformed from that to being someone who had this great encounter with Christ and was willing to go and to evangelize and to share to everyone um, that otherwise she would have been afraid to you know, speak to about what is it that he has done for, for her. And we read in, in verses 28 and 29, it says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And so she, she has this transformation. Because why? She realized that she had a spiritual thirst. And that spiritual thirst was really what was making her feel empty and isolated and alone in her life. And then she, once she realized that, she was able to be fulfilled. And maybe in our current time, when so many of us are locked up in our homes and we can't go anywhere, and this is the time for us to realize that we have a spiritual thirst. That because things are quieter, things are calmer, we can't seek after or do the things that we normally do, that we can kind of med meditate and contemplate on the fact that our true need and our true desire and the one who really can satisfy our thirst is Christ only. And that in him we will find satisfaction, fulfillment, we will find peace, we will find a sense of calm, that even though the world around us seems very chaotic and very uncertain, and yet in him we find peace. And this really is our spiritual thirst, that we find in him satisfaction for our deepest needs and our deepest desires beyond the superficial desires and the superficial things that we seek after on a day-to-day -day basis. So Samaritan woman, she had an encounter with Christ and she realized that she had a thirst that she never knew before and that Christ was offering to fulfill it and to satisfy it. The next person we're going to speak about who had an encounter with, with Christ was Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee and a teacher of the law. And yet, despite his position, he didn't understand the basic principles of salvation. When Christ met with him and he spoke to him about baptism and about being born again. And when Christ explained to him the necessity of salvation and to be born again, Nicodemus says in uh, John chapter 3, says, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And this question, um, you know, Christ, you know, was kind of surprised. He said to him, um, are you a teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? So Nicodemus as a Pharisee, as a teacher of the law, as someone whom the people looked up to as being uh, someone who understood uh, the faith and understood religion, he was ignorant. He really didn't understand. You know, Christ came to illuminate and to teach and to show people, you know, what what they didn't know, what they didn't realize, what they didn't see in God. And he was coming to say, you know what, you can live a completely transformed life. You can live a life with God and you can be transformed and changed through the sacrament of baptism. And so even though Nicodemus believed that he was a knowledgeable person and that everybody around him would look at him as a Pharisee as being someone who was knowledgeable. And yet he was in darkness in terms of his understanding. He didn't he didn't understand, you know, and all throughout the Old Testament, uh, you know, the people received kind of glimpses of the truth, glimpses of salvation, glimpses of uh, a lot of things that were symbolic of salvation and symbolic of the coming of Christ. And yet they never really saw the full picture. They didn't really understand. And so when Christ came, he came to illuminate us, came to make us realize that we are living without understanding. 
And again, maybe a lot of people today are living in this ignorance. You know, we go about our day, we're not really thinking about what is salvation, why do we need it, what is sin, why do we need it, why is there so much suffering and pain in the world? You know, we again, we look at our current situation and people ask this question, is, um, is this because God is um, wrathful with us? Is this because God is, uh, you know, sent a plague upon us? But actually, we see all throughout history, all kinds of devastation, destruction, plagues, earthquakes, and the scripture speaks about these things as that they are going to going to happen. And even from the very first moment where sin entered in the world with Adam and Eve, we see that when they were rejected from the Garden of Eden, they lived in a very arid and difficult place. They lived in a place where they had to work and struggle, and life was difficult from the very beginning. And, and our sin, that we sin, caused the corruption and the suffering, the brokenness that's in the world. And so the need of salvation is the need of restoration, that we are being restored again to God, that we are being renewed again, that God is showing us mercy, and that we are accepting his mercy and in humility. And so here, Nicodemus didn't understand this. And he didn't understand what it meant to be born again. He didn't understand what it meant to be a new creation. He didn't understand those things. So it's very important for us to... Um, to kind of realize that an encounter with Christ is going to change the way that we think. It's going to change our understanding of the world. It's going to change the under our understanding of ourselves and what is our place in the world. That maybe we feel like we are so um, grandiose and that we are so sophisticated, we are so powerful and we are so grand. And yet when we meet Christ, we meet someone who is far, far grander and far greater than we could ever imagine. And it makes us realize our place in the universe is very, very small. And our place in the world is very, very small. And that our goal here is not to be demonstrating like we are masters of the world, but actually that we are servants of Christ. And here, this is what Nicodemus learned. He learned that there was so many things that he didn't know and so many things he didn't understand. And if we come to Christ with this attitude of humility and submission, we will find that there's a lot we can learn from him. But if we come to him with an attitude where I already know the answers to all the questions, then we'll find ourselves not really benefiting or growing in him. Another person who had an encounter with Christ was uh, Nathaniel. Nathaniel was a friend of uh, Philip the Apostle. And this is at the very beginning of the story in the New Testament before um, all of the apostles had been formed. And so Philip, he believed in, in that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he went to his friend Nathaniel and he told Nathaniel, come and see that this uh, person, Christ, he is the Messiah. Come meet him. And Nathaniel was very skeptical. Nathaniel said, well, who is this person? Right. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We know that Jesus was from Nazareth, which is a very kind of small town. <coughs> so Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <clears throat> is there anything at all? And so he's very skeptical when Philip is coming to tell him, come see that we have, we know who the Messiah is, that he has come, he is the one. Nathaniel didn't, didn't want to believe it. He couldn't believe that someone with that origin, with that background, you know, could really be the Messiah. But after he met Christ, after he agreed to go and to meet him, we read in uh, verse 49, it says, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. He was convinced completely that this was actually the Messiah, that he was the king of Israel, he was the son of God. He went from being so skeptical as not believing that anything good could come out of that town that he came from, uh, to believing that he was the son of God. So all of this happened because he encountered Christ, because he saw Christ. He had a misconception, understanding of who the Messiah would be. 
he had in his mind a, a thought, well, I think I know the character of the person who would be Messiah. And many of the Jews felt the same. They thought that he was going to be a very powerful ruler and king and that he was going to come and destroy the enemies of Israel and free the people from oppression from the Romans, that he was going to restore the, the kingdom again the way that it was under King David. And so all these people and Nathaniel believed that the Messiah would have to be this very powerful figure uh, militarily and that he would he would essentially lead a rebellion, right? Um, and and we, we know that Christ did not come with this message at all. He came with a message of humility. He allowed himself to be crucified, right? He didn't demonstrate that kind of power that the people were expecting him to display. So he had this misconception. Today also, a lot of people have misconceptions about who God is, what God is asking us for. Many people think that God is all about just giving us things. You know, even let's just take the idea of prayer. What is it that we think of when we think of prayer? Do we think of prayer as I'm standing before God and asking him to give me a lot of things that I want to have? I ask God to give me things. I ask God to fill my life with things. I ask God to fulfill me with all the things that I want. Prayer is much more than making supplication. Prayer is much more than just asking God for things that I want. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is entering into communion with him, to speaking with him and to experiencing him in a new way. In a, in a very deep and personal, intimate way that maybe I've never felt or experienced before. So it's very important for us to understand what is the Christian teaching? What is it that we are being taught? What is it that it, what does it mean for us that being communion with God? What does it mean for Jesus to be the Messiah? What did he really come for? He didn't come to lead a rebellion. He came to save us from our sins. He came to open the gates of paradise so that we could enter in, right? This is a very important concept and it's it's easy for us to not understand. And it's easy for the world, when we preach Christianity, for them to believe that Christianity is something completely different. Sadly, even among Christians today, you have many churches that essentially have just become charitable organizations. And then that's all that they are. They go and they want to do good in the world, which is which is a good thing. And, and churches should do that. They they give to the poor and they perform charitable deeds and 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 and, and, and they want social justice, right? All those things are good. But that is not the core Christian message. The core Christian message is communion with God. The core Christian message is that we are sinners and we need salvation. You know, the spiritual work of a Christian is so, so, so vital. And it's the foundation of every other work. You know, um, you can have people who are atheists doing good deeds in the world, right? That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is about relationship with God. Christianity is about belief. It's about faith. It's about it's about doing the spiritual work to see God before my eyes, to believe in him and to work according to his will in humility. This is Christianity, to accept from him all the gifts of salvation that he wants us to have. So there's a lot of spiritual work that's done, which is why we focus so much on prayer, on liturgy. We focus so much on the spiritual work, right? This is really what Christianity is fundamentally about. Everything else that comes in terms of loving neighbor, Right? This is a, an extension of my love for God. This is an extension of the spiritual work. Right, We love our neighbors because they're made in the image of God. So sadly today we find many churches, um, many Christian groups that have forgotten this. How many of us as Christians take our spiritual life seriously and we stand before God and we pray? Right? Is prayer a part of my life? Or is my life about doing good deeds only? Right, It's important for us to have a right understanding Another example of someone who uh, experienced God was the rich young ruler. 
this man, he came to Christ, he bowed down before him, and he asked him, what is it that I can do to have eternal life, right? And so Christ responded, and he said, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. This man actually was very sorrowful at this answer, that Christ told him this answer, because this was the one thing he could not do, right? This man came believing that he had followed all of the commandments of God from his youth. This is a man who believed that everything that he did from his youth was according to the law. And he was proud of this. Because when 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 Christ told him, go and follow the commandments, his, his, the response was, yeah, I've followed all, all these commandments from my youth. I've followed all these commandments. There's nothing I have not followed. So then Christ wanted to reveal to him how he really did not follow all the commandments. He believed, the man believed, right? about himself, this rich young ruler. He believed that he had followed the law. He believed that he um, was doing the right thing. And yet Christ revealed him how he really wasn't. This man didn't really know himself. He didn't really understand himself. He didn't really see what is the attachment that he had, right? This is why in verse 22 when it says, but when the young man heard that saying, uh, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. This is really the self-discovery that we have when we have an encounter with Christ. Many people, whenever they have an encounter with Christ, they begin to realize things about themselves that they never saw before, to be convicted that the actions that they're doing are wrong, that they need to change, that there's something wrong about their thoughts, there's something wrong about the way their lifestyle, the things that they do, the way that they think, right? This is a big part of what it means to be converted, right? To be converted doesn't just mean I change my belief system. It doesn't just mean that I believe now that there is God, whereas before I believed there was no God. Or that I believe now that the sacraments are important, whereas before I didn't believe sacraments were important. It's not just about facts and information. It's about I am the one who changes. I am the one who realizes that I need to change. It's not just changing my thoughts. It's changing who I am. It's realizing who I am. That is different than maybe what I thought before. So this rich young ruler, he went through this process of self-discovery. And, and when we go through this process of self-discovery, we will inevitably find that we are not conforming to what God is, the standard that God has set. We will definitely find that the standard of God is far higher than the standard that we have been living. And this is going to cause sorrow, right? And that sorrow is not a bad thing, actually. Sorrow is a part of change, that when we begin to feel that sorrow, we, we feel convicted that we need to take action, that we need to do something. But along with that sorrow, we should also experience hope, and we should experience that God is merciful to us, and that he is not condemning us because we are, have not met the mark, that we have not uh, reached the standard, but that he is offering us uh, mercy and hope and calling us to a higher calling, while at the same time forgiving our sins for our weaknesses. So it's important for us that while we go through this process of self-discovery, that one, we don't run away from it, because sometimes we run away from self-discovery because I feel like I don't want to know. I don't, I don't want to tackle this. I don't want to think about this. It's too hard. I have too many attachments to the world. I love my lifestyle. And I don't want Christ to come and tell me that this is a sinful lifestyle, that I shouldn't be living this way. This isn't what... Um, this is not what I want to hear. Just like this rich young man. He wanted to hear from Christ, oh, you're doing great. Everything you're doing is perfect. Continue to live 
like you're living, you are a perfect model and example of how a, an upright Jewish person should be living. This is what this man, this rich, rich young ruler, this is what he wanted to hear, right? He wanted affirmation that the life that he chose was the right life. And yet, this is not what Christ offered him. He told him something completely different. He said, the one thing that you love the most, the one thing you're attached to the most, that's the one thing you need to get rid of. And of course, this man was difficult for him to hear. Levi, who became an apostle, was called by Christ during the time when he was a tax collector. And we see how Christ uh, came to him while he was in his tax office. Okay, And it says in uh, Luke 5, 27, it says, After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. This man, Levi, he was successful because tax collectors, being a tax collector was very a very lucrative career. You would make a lot of money as a tax collector. Um, and a lot of the tax collectors, the reason they were despised by the Jews, well, for two reasons. One is they were taking the money of the Jews and giving it to the Romans, which is something that the Jews despised. Um, and the second thing is many of the tax collectors were thieves. They would take extra money from the people so that they could keep it for themselves. So here this man, Levi, sitting in his tax office doing his work, when Christ came to him and he simply said these two words, follow me. And then in that moment, we see what in verse 28, so he left all, rose up and followed him. What an amazing story when you really think about it. Imagine that you are doing your work, a work that is essentially paying your bills, that's allowing you to live that's supporting you that's supporting your family that's you know like that's your career and that's what you, that's what you know how to do that's what you're an expert in that's what you've trained to do that's like your livelihood right your career and you're sitting there at work and then Christ comes to you and he says leave all of this and come and follow me without any details without any explanations without any uh you know like like plans or telling him okay this is what's going to happen nothing all that happened was that Levi, Matthew, he stood up and he left the office and he went and followed Christ. Like that encounter that he had with Christ caused him to completely leave his life and to embrace a new life of which he had no knowledge or no information simply because of his faith and he believed that he should do so, that he should follow Christ. Um, this encounter with Christ caused him to serve, right? And this is uh, one other thing that happens to us whenever we have an encounter with Christ. Christ calls us to serve him in some way, right? And we are willing to leave behind everything in order to serve. And this is very important for us, right? Because we are all called to serve one another in some way. Serving in the church, serving outside the church, we are all called to serve the Lord. And maybe um, we live a life of selfishness where all I think about is myself where all I think about is my own things my own family right and now here Christ is saying leave behind these things sacrifice these things sacrifice here I'm not talking about like leaving behind our friends and family I'm talking about leave behind your own desires and give of your time give of your energy give of your money to God to to the needs of other people right Sometimes we find it difficult to tithe because we say, you know what, I need this money, right? God is saying, this is not your money. Give of this money to, to others. 
we find it difficult to dedicate time to the Lord, to dedicate time to come to liturgy, to dedicate time to serve other people. God is saying, I gave you this time. Give some of this time back to me, right? In every way, Christ is telling us, everything that you have, you receive from me, give me some of it back, right? By your own will, give me some of it back. And this is here what we see that Matthew did. He said, what? I am not going to continue to live my life here in this tax office, just earning money for myself. Christ is calling me to live a higher life, a better life, a life of service, but it's also a life that's not as comfortable. It's also a life that doesn't make me as much money. It's a life of more hardship and more uh, physical suffering, but it's a life of fulfillment. It's a life where I am serving the Lord. It's a life where I am giving of myself to God and serving others and not only serving myself. And this is what happened when this man, Levi, encountered Christ. He learned how to, to give up of himself and to, to lead this life as being an apostle and giving of himself. He became an apostle. He became an evangelist, right? And, and, he, and he preached in the world and he wrote the Gospel of Matthew. It's so important for us to understand this example of where he started from and what he became, right? If this man can become an apostle, if this man can dedicate himself to serve the Lord, then certainly when Christ comes to us and he says, follow me, that we should also respond the same way. The next example is Zacchaeus. Okay, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was called by Christ for repentance. In uh, Luke 19, verse 5, it says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. When Christ met with Zacchaeus. What happened to Zacchaeus when he met with Christ? He felt uh, convicted of his sin. He was a chief tax collector, and like I said before, tax collectors, they were despised and they were thieves. Okay, What happened when Christ went into Zacchaeus' house? It says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. It's so important for us to, to see and understand this example. Again, Zacchaeus is another example of someone who was living a certain way, and yet when Christ came, they were willing to completely transform, to change their life for the sake of Christ. They felt convicted that the way that they were living was sinful, was wrong, and they were willing to sacrifice that and give it up. And so even after Zacchaeus said this, the Lord responded and said, Today salvation has come to this house. Today, because of your repentance, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house. Again, Christ is calling us to, to live a life of repentance. We will never have perfection. We will never live without sin. And actually, if our goal is to someday, one day, to become sinless, we will never attain that goal and we will just live frustrated because we're not able to attain. Our goal is to live a life of repentance, meaning that I seek perfection, but at the same time, I acknowledge my sin when I fail and I acknowledge God's mercy on me, that he is covering me, that he's accepting me, even though I have not reached perfection, even though that I am a broken sinner, I still uh, feel God's mercy and God's love upon me. So it's very important for us because sin is what separates us from God. If I am sinning against God, I am separated from God because I'm not repenting. But if I repent, God removes those barriers. God removes that sin. So it's very important for us to have this encounter. The last one um, we're going to mention is the ten lepers. There are these ten lepers that had leprosy and Christ healed them all. Okay. And after, and they came to him, they, he, they said, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When they came to Christ, because they knew he was a miracle worker, they knew that he could heal them. 
So, so they came to, to him and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy. Have mercy on us. And so Christ healed them. Okay. How did he heal them? He tells them in verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. In the Old Testament, anyone who had leprosy was called to show themselves to the priest because the priest would be the one who to declare whether their leprosy was actually leprosy or something else and whether they had been healed from leprosy. For leprosy. This is a symbol of confession because in the Old Testament, leprosy was, people would get leprosy because of their sin and they would go show themselves to the priest uh, and then the priest would declare whether the leprosy had been removed or not. So this is like a symbol of confession where people would go to the priest and confess their sins when they had committed sins. Um, but here we see this is the, the encounter that they had with Christ, is they had healing, healing from him. Again, today we have healing from Christ. Whenever we go to him with suffering, whenever we go to him with problems, whenever we go to him with psychological issues from our past, whenever we go to him with sin, whenever we go to him with anything that is troubling us, whether physical or mental or emotional, we go to him and he can offer us healing, that he can transform us, that he can change us, and that, and that many, many people encounter this and, 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 and experience this. Whenever they come to the Lord, they realize that all the other things that they had tried to do, all the other distractions that they had tried, all the other ways they were trying to escape from their daily problems and, and, and the sufferings that they have experienced in life that had failed, they found true healing in Christ only. Instead of going after alcohol, drugs, pleasures of all types, right? When they came to Christ, Christ was the one that filled them, that satisfied them, and they experienced all these different kinds of healings. Maybe not necessarily the physical healing that they're seeking for those who are sick. Sometimes God does heal, not all the time, but they experienced the spiritual healing. They experienced the emotional and psychological healing, that they were able to overcome the trauma of the life that they had lived before. So we spoke about just a few examples, very few examples of those who had encountered Christ and the experiences they had with him and how they changed from both from before and after. I'm just going to go over them real quick. The first one was the Samaritan woman, that she realized her spiritual need. She didn't realize that she had before and how Christ fulfilled it. The second one was Nicodemus, who was living in a, a life of ignorance and, and not understanding what who Christ was and his significance and what is the process of salvation. Christ informed him and, and gave him understanding. The third one was Nathaniel, who didn't understand the idea of the Messiah and who he was and where he would come from. Christ corrected him and he realized that he was truly indeed the Messiah. The rich young ruler, he didn't understand himself. He didn't know who he was. He didn't understand his attachments to the world and what was separating him from God. And Christ revealed it to him so that he would know himself more. Levi was called for apostleship, that he was living a life as a tax collector. And yet when Christ came, he called him to a higher calling. He called him to serve him and he left all that he had and he followed him. Zacchaeus was living a life as a sinner. And when he met with Christ, he repented and he changed. And finally, the ten lepers, they lived a life of leprosy and suffering and illness. And yet when they encountered Christ, they were healed. So may God allow us to experience Christ, to have an encounter with him, just like the Samaritan woman did in the reading today, and that our lives would be transformed and that we would go out in the world and we would share with everybody what is the encounter that we had and how is it that we were changed. And glory be to God forever. Amen.